0: Pulling your pants down at the urinal is like, like all the way down to the floor is like the ultimate power move. It just screams <laughs> to every other man in the room, I do not give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus points if you like hold your shirt up as well. Yeah. The, the toddler piss. Yeah. 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 Uh, Full butters. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Quite manly indeed. Um, That was The Beatles with Back in the USSR, and today we're going back to the USSR, back to the bad old days of the Soviet Union, and the most severe nuclear power plant accident in history. We'll be looking at the causes of the meltdown, the immediate aftermath, the destruction caused, the death toll, the current state of Chernobyl and its nearby town, and because it's proud as a bad person, we might quickly investigate a few conspiracy theory angles just for fun. So, Ooh. my name is Morgan. I am the host of this podcast, and I am joined by my two favorite comrades, Lennon Lachlan, <laughs> <Moklin laughs> hello, and Bolshevik Brad.
0: Hello. How are we feeling today, guys? I should yeah. have said Privet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I'm feeling lightheaded. It smells like uh, paint in here. So, you know, that's that's good. We got a nice buzz. It's good. I'm in the right the right mindset. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling yeah, you've excellent. Been- as
1: well. Regaling us all week with your
0: tales of uh, DIY. That's right. right. I've officially officially turned into a father. I'm fixing stuff with my hands. That stuff. <laughs> Real salt of the earth shit. That's right. Blue collar. <laughs> yeah, I like it.
1: All right. Now, uh, Chernobyl is a popular topic at the moment due to the HBO series, which is currently the highest rated television show of all time on IMDb. Oh. So, have you guys seen the show? I assume you signed up to Foxtel so you could watch it illegally.
0: Legally? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes,
0: I have seen the show. Mm-hmm. I finished and watching I, it. I am choosing to ignore the second part of your question.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Is that it's, for a, legal it's a five... Reason? It's a five-part miniseries, all all three of us have seen it, Mm -hmm. and I think we all really enjoyed it, and we'd all recommend it. It was excellent, yep. Um, What we'll be talking about today, though, of course, doesn't assume that you've seen the miniseries, after all, it's a dramatized version of events, so it is a real story that we'll be talking about the real story, but, you know, it's just topical at the moment because of the uh, TV show. and the popularity, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Before we get into it, Lachlan, do you want to crack open a cold one with the boys?
0: It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. So this week, uh, I thought I'd try and stick to the to the theme of, you know, Chernobyl, catastrophic nuclear meltdown. I have a Gage Rhodes Brewing Company, Atomic Pale Ale. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Atomic. Uh, Made from water out of the reactor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dry hopped <laughs> and unfiltered. It is 1.2 standard drinks from, uh, obviously, Gage Road's Brewing Company in Palmyra, Western Australia. Oh. Uh, now, on the cap, I just noticed, I like this. It says, use an opener or shred your palms. Oh. Oh. So, I like that. I like that. little bit of A uh, little bit of sass. I like
2: that they give you an option there as well.
0: That's right. That's right. It's all about so,
2: choice. Uh, choice is the spice of life.
0: I'm gonna pop this bad boy open. Ah. Yep. Not much of a hiss. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, no! It's well, not that, radiating the flavour.
2: It is gl- glowing bright, gr- uh, bright grilly. <laughs> I can't even speak. But... Uh, Uh,
1: um, (laughs) so let's talk about what (laughs) happened on that faithful day well ironically enough it started with a safety test in a nuclear power plant water is pumped from tanks into the core of the nuclear reactor the heat generated from the nuclear reaction turns the water into steam which spins turbines to generate electricity but those pumps need their own electricity at chernobyl if for whatever reason the power plant could not receive electricity there were diesel powered pumps that would keep the water flowing in. But these diesel pumps would take a while to start up. So the safety test was this. In the event of a loss of power coming into the plant, can the turbines themselves generate enough power to keep the water running in the core for long enough for the diesel pumps to take over? So you need some specific conditions for this test. Turn the power down very low and turn the turbines off. Measure the power generated by the dying turbines to see if the output would be enough to power the water pumps for long enough for the diesel pumps to take over. Now, every nuclear reactor in the world has a shut-off button. If things are getting crazy and a meltdown could be imminent, you just smash the shut-off button and all the controllers are shot in at once to the reactor, instantly ending the nuclear reaction. Many reactors in the Soviet Union, however, had a fatal design flaw, that could turn the shut-off button into a nuclear detonator. Though this flaw was known, it was not corrected for three reasons. One, admitting the flaw would be embarrassing. Two, fixing the issue in the reactor across the Soviet states would be quite costly. And three, even with the flaw, the reactors would never melt down because there would need to be a series of decisions so unfathomably incompetent to (laughs) even get the reactor into the position where it could melt down.
0: So, we never need to worry about it happening, and it's all okay. Yeah.
1: What follows now is an unfathomably incompetent series of decisions. <laughs> <laughs> series of unfortunate events. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, there were three big dogs in charge of Chernobyl power plant, plant director Viktor Bryukhanov, chief engineer Nikolai Foman, and deputy chief engineer Anatoly Dyatlov. No relation to
0: Igor Egor, Dyatlov yeah. of Dyatlov's past.
1: Everything in Russia happens with someone called T.L.O.V. involved. (laughs) Uh, They had tried to do this safety test three times, but it had failed each time. It was a box they needed to check, and so the fourth time they did it, they were determined to make sure they could finally tick that fucking box. The test was initially scheduled for the day shift on April 25, 1986. Starting at 1am, there was a gradual reduction in the output of power in order to very slowly get it down to 800 megawatts for the test. By late morning, as the day shift was starting, the reactor was operating at half of its regular output. However, those in charge of the nearby Kiev electrical grid requested that the further reduction of power be postponed. Another power station had gone offline, and they were worried that with Chernobyl reducing output, there wouldn't be enough to satisfy the electricity demands of the large city of Kiev. So, what did they do at Chernobyl? Cancel the test? No, no, no. They just postponed it until the night shift when demand for electricity in Kiev would be low. Okay. Postponing, though, rather than cancelling, was the first of many terrible decisions. It meant that the day shift workers, who are their best workers and who are familiar with these kinds of procedures, would not be running the test. Instead, it would be left to the night shift workers who would show up to work that night and be informed that they were just about to do a safety test. Not ideal. At At Chernobyl, there are three shifts, the day shift, evening shift, and night shift. The night shift is the least eventful with the lowest electricity demand, and it is the least desirable shift. So what does that mean? Well, you get the least qualified workers. They started at midnight, one hour after power had begun decreasing again, and one hour before the test was to occur. Good luck with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: foreshadowing. So, Anatoly Dyatlov, the, chief, uh, the deputy chief engineer at Chernobyl, was there to be in charge of the test. Alexander Akimov was the night shift manager, and Toptonov was the reactor operator, a 25-year-old who had been working as an unsupervised senior engineer for only three months. The power output was reduced to 800 megawatts, but as they tried to stabilise the output, it kept falling due to reactor poisoning, as it is known, because xenon-135 had been produced without being burned off. It's usually burned off when the core is at its usual temperature, But it had been operating at half power for so long, due to the test delay, that Xenon-135 had built up and was now slowing down the reaction. Decreasing the output far below the 700 megawatt minimum for the test to only 30 megawatt, maybe even less. This is 1% of the reactor's regular output. The only safe way to increase the output from this low is to do it over a period of 24 hours. But the test is scheduled to start in less than half an hour. Dyatlov can't wait that long. He instructs the operators to increase the power as fast as possible so they can start the test on time.
0: Yep. Just fucking pedal to the metal, ramp that bitch up. Yep.
1: <laughs> the best the operators can do is get the output up to 200 megawatts by taking out all of the control rods. That's 500 megawatts lower than the minimum required for the test. Oh, well, I guess we can't do the test. We would better call it off. <laughs> nope. Dyatlov says 200 megawatts is fine. Don't worry about it. Just start the test. So the test begins at 123 a.m. The pumps are turned off and immediately, radio- radio- sorry, <laughs> immediately reactivity increases. Now there is no water coming in and no control rods. The temperature jumps up immediately, burning off all the built-up Xenon 135. There is nothing left in the core to slow the reaction. The balance has totally shifted towards a feedback loop of increased reactivity. As the temperature continues rising and the output continues increasing, the operators know something is wrong. Thank God for that shut-off button. Akimov hits (laughs) AZ-5, the shut-off button, at 123am and 40 seconds. At Chernobyl, if you press AZ-5, then the control rods all go into the reactor at once and, theoretically, shut down the reaction. However, the control rods had tips made of graphite, which actually accelerates the reaction. But that doesn't matter. God. That doesn't matter. A momentary acceleration before the shut-off uh, of the reaction is not a big deal usually, but with so little water in the core, the remaining water instantly turns to steam which expands and u- and actually stops the control rods from moving into place. Oh, now geez. their tips are fixed in position, leaving the graphite exposed. There's no way to stop the reaction now. It's overheating with nothing to slow it down. The usual oh. output of reactor number 4 was 3200 megawatts but the unchecked reaction pushed it to at least 30,000 megawatts. Oh, good lord. It's last recorded output. Oh. Chernobyl reactor number four bursts. The lid shoots off and oxygen rushes in, causing a massive explosion. The roof of the nuclear plant is on fire and the core of the reactor is burning. It is the greatest nuclear power plant disaster to occur ever in the world. And it was all too preventable.
2: Oh, so preventable. I... I, I love that. Yeah, it's thirty thousand megawatts, but it it could have potentially been a lot higher. That's just the the last reading that they yeah, got. Yeah, it's just. The last oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. definitely got higher than that.
1: Yeah, that's just insanity. Like well, it's just spinning out of control. It's just yeah. a feedback loop.
2: You're right. It's just incompetence after incompetence. Though. Like just poor decision making yep. and a yep. lot of scared people who under Dyatlov. Who were just doing what he was telling
1: them to do
0: because they didn't. Well, know it's what to the do. Soviet Union. If you yeah. don't do what your superior tells you, you get a bullet. Like, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't know how bad it could get. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's exactly. right. You have, no, I mean, you have no choice.
2: I think the. I, I know where I'm talking about the show here, but the the show does a really good, you know, job of emphasising that that that, that tense feeling of you know Diatlov being this over arching sort of bad guy like they cast brilliantly because everyone else is like sort of scared and he's like oh you'll never work in another power plant again you know do what i fucking tell you to do and it's like i imagine it wasn't that far off it because these guys would have been like oh shit we're not 100 percent sure and he's telling us and we're
1: like we don't think it's the right
2: thing but fuck it we'll do it anyway because you know we don't want to lose our jobs and
1: do you guys uh, do you guys feel just a tiny bit bad for diatlov in the sense though that he was thinking Alright, we'll just do the test. We'll fucking get it to work, and if for some reason it it's not working and something goes wrong, we'll just press the shut off
0: button because yeah. that's the fail safe. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he obviously had faith in uh, in AZ five, the button that stops mm. it all. Um, but he still made some pretty poor decisions. I think.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's like a sliver of me feeling bad for him because you know he he knew that what he was doing was. Potentially going to lead to, you know, some sort of meltdown. But he was like, oh, I've always got the fallback. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, shouldn't yeah, that's, right. yeah. yeah that's right. He, he never shouldn't thought he... have the fallback. Like, that's the, the... Yeah,
0: he never thought that the reactor was going to explode no matter what he did. Mm. Or did he? We'll talk about oh. that later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I feel like slightly, <laughs> like just a sliver of that. Um, yeah,
1: right? I mean, like, it, he... Like you, you shouldn't be he fucking. Cr- around He with created you. the conditions for it to melt down. That's yeah. right.
0: It is hard yeah. to feel it's sorry up. for a communist, though. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god! <laughs> just in general. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, but it was just a, a series of bad decisions, one after the other. Like there, there were so many times in that sequence that I described. There are so many times where they should have cancelled the test or yeah, just it could said, have been "Like, stopped. all right, we'll do it next week," or. Yeah, it's just there are so many times where it should have stopped, but instead they were like, no, we failed this test three times before. We haven't been able to get the desired output, the desired result, so let's just fucking push through. Let's make sure we can get it. Tick the box and, you know, if everything goes wrong, we just hit the button. Yeah. Yeah. Third time's the charm. (laughs) Fourth time. (laughs) Um. But yeah, in in episode five of the miniseries, the last episode, the guy does a the main character does a good job of explaining what went wrong in the um, reactor and ex- explaining how you know there's this balance going on between things that increase reactivity and things that decrease reactivity, and they had totally pushed it to the limit where everything that decreases activity was all of a sudden out of the core. Yeah, it was and, all removed uh, it was all, at all at once. Just like gonna off like that so
0: yeah
1: um yeah fucking crazy shit all right so let's let's talk about the immediate aftermath so there was a uh, evacuation to take place but they were slow to evacuate because it was initially believed that the fire on the roof was the main issue and once it was put out things would be fine the soviet government decided to send a couple of nuclear scientists and meteorologists and a radiologist to check out the plant, and they arrived in the evening of April 26, about 18 hours after the explosion. They quickly determined that the entire reactor had been completely destroyed and unsafe levels of radiation were spreading throughout the city. They suggested an immediate evacuation. But, you know, not wanting to rush to any conclusions, though, the communist <laughs> government decided to sleep on it. In the morning, they sent buses for uh, to evacuate the nearby town of Pripyat, And evacuations began at 2 p.m. on April 27, more than 37 hours after the explosion. The subjects were told to only bring what they needed since it would be a short-term evacuation. The plan was to evacuate for three days, but that was 33 years ago. They have never been allowed to return. (laughs) The next day, the government expanded the evacuation zone to a radius of 10 kilometers. Then a week later, it was extended to 30 kilometers. Initially, 135,000 people were forced to evacuate and would never return. Over the next 15 years, the contamination zone increased, and in total, 350,000 people were resettled. Oh, that is outrageous. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, nuclear debris floating through the atmosphere, and 37 hours later, you leave town. That's Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Too little, too late. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. They
1: shit the bed on that one. Yeah, it's uh pretty pretty brutal really. Um yeah. Yeah, and something that ep- happened in uh episode 4 of uh the Chernobyl mini series was that there were these men tasked with going around these abandoned cities after they'd been evacuated and shooting all the animals in there. Oh. So that's mm-hmm. That's something that actually happened. So mm. when they were when they did evacuate, they were told to leave their pets behind. They, they were told because it's a short-term evacuation, you can't take your pets. But really, they didn't want to tell people, you know, leave your pets behind because we're going to come through and kill them. Because then people yeah, we're going to have to kill to-
0: them because they're so irradiated. Yeah, yeah,
1: people would be trying to sneak their pets out and stuff. So, they said, leave your pets behind because it's a short-term evacuation and, you know, there's no time for it. whatever. So, then these animal death squads eventually moved in and they were tasked with killing all the animals in Pripyat. Before they started wandering off from the city and spreading the contamination, because you know it, they just it, these dogs would just move out further and further, and then carry yeah. out the
0: radiation with them. So, and they'd be yeah, eating oh. irradiated animals, and it'd just be a whole clusterfuck. Must have been weird for Soviet death squads to be killing animals instead of you know, <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah,
1: god, it's I just, probably like a
0: holiday for them. Yeah, I guess. <laughs>
1: I was gonna say it's probably like the most one of the most depressing parts of the the series is just you know this is your job now you know we've we've taken yeah, you off the dogs. street you were like a eighteen year old just out of school or whatever uh, you know we've signed you up and your job is go around and shoot dogs all day like fucking ah yeah. oh, what a yeah. shit
0: job what a shit life
1: uh, it did uh, hit me rough
0: well yeah. it was either that or uh, go serve in Afghanistan so. You know,
1: yeah, sure.
2: What, well, what do you do? To be honest, I, I I don't know which one of the roles that were involved, like, in the cleanup process that I would have wanted to do. If I had to choose, like, shooting animals, liquidators, you know,
0: I just none of it seems like it's a win at all. Well, you go to Afghanistan and that that was the choice they were offered. Either you you do, I think it was two weeks as a liquidator. Uh, yeah. or you go serve in Afghanistan and potentially never come back. Oh, okay. God. Mm. I don't know. It's, uh, it's just such a shit
2: situation. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: you know, in hindsight, Afghanistan was probably the better option, but at the time, if you're given the choice, you're going to say, all right, I'll just do this shitty job for two weeks and then I'm, I'm free and clear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so um, all right, uh, the Soviets initially were all hush hush about the incident until Sweden. What a surprise! <laughs> Sweden <laughs> detected some sort of nuclear radiation. So, in the morning of April twenty eighth, just over two days after the explosion, an alarm went off at Forsmark nuclear power plant in Sweden, one thousand kilometers away from Chernobyl. Oh. The Swedish Radiation Safety Authority determined that the radiation had originated elsewhere, and so the Swedish government contacted the Soviets to figure out what the hell was going on. Soviets initially denied an accident and only admitted to it when the Swedish government said they were going to report their findings to the International Atomic Energy Agency.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think you'd really need to force the Soviets to... Cold, mm-hmm. Cold War or Soviets to admit anything because they are like, we're fucking perfect. You know, we, we don't make mistakes.
0: Oh, if it wasn't uh, for another country yeah. um, detecting the radiation, we probably wouldn't know about it today. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be well, like,
1: well it'd be they like wouldn't that. have known about it at the time. It would have been something that came out later or that it would have been rumors mm. about it, but nothing. Like confirmed Square and stuff.
2: or something like that. In, in China. Yeah.
1: Kind of all hush-hush. But yeah. inside the Soviet Union, their citizens didn't know what was going on as well. So, imagine what it was like to live in the Soviet Union. A nuclear power plant disaster occurs, the likes of which the world has never seen, and over 100,000 people are evacuated from the- their homes. The contamination is spreading, animals are being left in the zone, and will eventually have to be killed. Work is underway by brave men and women to contain the disaster. Some of them know their work is a death sentence. Many of them do not. As a subject of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, however, you don't know any of this. The only information that you are given comes as a 20-second announcement on the evening news almost three days after the explosion. There has been an accident at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. One of the nuclear reactors was damaged. That's right. crushed. <laughs> 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 the... Eff- the effects of the accident are being remedied. Assistance has been provided for any affected people. An investigative commission has been set up. End of story. That's it. I that's mean, all, all of that is
0: technically correct. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but that's, that's all <laughs> The, the you best get.
0: kind of correct, technically. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's all you get. Three days after the accident, and that's what you've done. Just like the very bare minimum. Like, yes, yeah. something happened. You've heard the
0: rumors. Something happened. Don't worry about it.
2: And we wonder why the USSR collapsed.
1: Yeah. No. It's just,
0: uh, and this is, people today want to go back to communism. Like, uh, this is what, this is how you're treated under a communist regime. It's,
1: it's the information you know what they,
0: they want you to know. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's, it's, great. I don't want to get all political. Uh, well, <laughs> <but> communism sucks. <laughs> it's interesting political. that That's the. just a fact.
1: The only newspaper in the country was the state-sanctioned official newspaper called Pravda, which uh-huh. translates as The Truth. So, <laughs> every day, the only newspaper you're allowed to read was just, like, the one that told you everything's fine and we have it Isn't great that and- what
0: um, Elon Musk wanted to call his website that was going to, um, like, call out fake news and, <laughs> yeah, I think it and was- uh, roast journalists for publishing bullshit? He was going to call yeah. it Pravda. Yeah, I right. think he did. yeah. <laughs> what a shit lord. But this yeah. is also the guy that created a flamethrower and called
1: it not a flamethrower. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that was to get around stupid regulations. You can't sell something called a flamethrower, but you can sell a flamethrower that's called something else. Oh, yeah. good.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but that's that's the sort of control that they had over everything, and you just you wouldn't know what was actually going on. It would be a lot of. Mm. F- you know, guessing and a lot of stuff like that, but you wouldn't actually know what was really happening.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. all in the shadows and you only know what they want you to know. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's um, shady shit. And some very shady shit.
1: Yeah. Alright, so one of the one of the big parts in the show or one of the big scenes in the show is about three guys who went into some radioactive water. So Ugh. the core was burning so hot that it started burning through the reactor floor and through the concrete below, creating a substance that is kind of like a radioactive lava. Mm. Given enough time, this lava would eventually burn through all of the concrete and start leaking into the giant reservoir of water underneath. Apparently, if this had happened, there could have been a steam explosion that, at worst, could have taken out half of Europe. I've read that this concern is a bit of an exaggeration because the lava would melt in to the water unevenly and therefore the blast wouldn't be anywhere near as big. But uh, it was really dangerous and uh, it could have taken out nearby Kiev and potentially even Minsk in Belarus. Mm.
2: Well, I mean, there was also... Three other reactors there that you probably don't want to have issues with as well. As them. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, the the pool of water could only be drained by manually opening some valves in the basement, and so three brave men were tasked with going in there, wading through the radio- radioactive water and finding these valves to open them up. In the TV Balls show of Steel, <laughs> in the TV <laughs> show, it seems that the plant workers were given full knowledge of the dangers of what they were being asked to do, and three brave men volunteer. However, one of those men, an engineer called Alexei Anonenko, who is still alive, says that he was ordered to go in by his manager and did it because he didn't want to get fired. He also uh-huh. said that he was not <laughs> offered a reward, nor did they receive any applause on their successful return, two things that were depicted oh. in the TV show. Oh. It was just That's our communism, work. baby. It was just our work, he said. Who would applaud that? So, I think uh. you really got to hand it to this Anonenko guy. He was portrayed as this mm-hmm. badass hero who waded through radioactive water to save all of Europe with reckless disregard for his own health. And instead of being like, uh, yeah, sure, that's me. I'm a fucking hero. Instead, he's yeah. like,
0: eh, they made me do it. And
1: I didn't realize it yeah, was such a big deal.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what was happening. They just told me to do it. So, I did it.
2: I <laughs> like, he didn't do, do want to lose his job. What job? If you look at <laughs> reactor number four in that building, you go, yeah, I'll be back here on Monday. Like, what? No. He was like, no, nah, <laughs> I'll take care of reactor
1: three. Right? That was fun. <laughs> uh, That's, um, that
0: scene in the show is really tense because you got uh, like the noise of the uh, the Geiger counters or decimeters as they call them, yeah. uh, just getting like louder and louder. And it's yeah. like... Uh, and just, then the, oh, the torches just, and- oh. It's good sound yeah, it effect. It just doesn't. makes- Yeah, the torches go out and it's just like your, your heart's racing. Hmm. And then, so, yeah. then it just cuts to black and the credits and you don't know what happened. Yeah. Excellent. Excellently made show. Good cliffhanger. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. TV show. And as Borg said, we're not talking about the TV show. Like everything we're talking about actually happened, but the TV show is just a very good point of reference. Yeah,
2: very good depiction. I mean, this- Might not be 100% accurate, but it's a very good depiction.
1: This is something that happened in 1986, and, you know, we think all the crazy shit that's happened in history, that not much of it is actually available in, you know, color photographs and, uh, you know, color video and stuff like that. You can't really see- what happened in world war Two that well you can't really you can't see what happened in world war one basically at all and the border yeah, and right. stuff like that like these big events in history but you think chernobyl actually was only 30 years ago like there is plenty of footage mm. about this sort of stuff but it's 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 hard to convince someone to watch like a factual documentary with archive footage of news and you know, camera crews and stuff like that who have taken these videos, it's gonna be hard to get someone to watch a documentary about that. But when you dramatize it and make it, you know, really accessible like this show, then you can make something which is true really interesting and more easily digestible. So absolutely.
2: Yeah, if you just cherry pick the cool shit basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think the the good thing about the mini series is that they took great pains to make it as accurate as they could with while still telling a story. So Mm. like the the stuff I've researched for this, I was I was always like, you know, that was in the TV show, but did it actually happen? And there were there are very few things that they changed in the show, or very few things that they dramatized. And I think this was one of the one of the very few things that they did is that they presented this radioactive water um, task is a little bit
0: um, different to they're, how it they're, actually they were trying to make the guys look like heroes. Yeah, which is I fair think. enough, and I think that's fair. Because they are heroes. They just didn't They just didn't realize at the time what they were doing. They might not yeah. have
1: had full knowledge and they might have been doing it less as a um, self-sacrifice. Like, we're going to die, but we need to do it anyway. And more of a, well, we have to do it because we're told to do it. And it, we're told That's it's true. not as unsafe as it probably is. Yeah.
0: where the party tells you to do something, you do it. Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, definitely a very heroic endeavor. Uh, you know, I probably would have just quit. Said, no, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try my hand escaping to the west. <laughs> I don't know if you were, you
2: were planning on mentioning ones, but two of the three gentlemen who did that ridiculous task yeah. were still alive, and the, the third one only died in it wasn't a super long time yeah, ago. Well, so. Yeah,
1: the other one died not too long ago, and it was from heart failure, it wasn't from like a cancer fried radiation or something. So, yeah, yeah all three of them. Came out pretty well, actually. Yeah, surprisingly.
0: Which is is crazy because water is, like, absorbs radiation so well. Mm. Um, And it was, like, they were directly under the reactor. And they were basically just in scuba suits. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it boggles the mind how they managed to, Uh. like, survive at all, let alone not die immediately.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think the main character in the show was saying something like they're not going to last three days or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the idea that they they might not. Um, Something else people had to do was clean up the roof of Chernobyl because uh, it was littered with radioactive graphite, which was emitting radioactive dust into the atmosphere. And the Soviets tried to use robots to remove this graphite, but the robots kept breaking down due to the nuclear exposure. Therefore, they decided to use bio-robots instead, as they called them, (laughs) otherwise known as humans. Uh, they did this instead of asking the U.S. to give them robots that could handle that amount of radiation, which the U.S. Mm -hmm. had. So over 3,800 men were forced to go onto the roof in protective gear for a maximum of 90 seconds each, picking up pieces of graphite with shovels and throwing them off the roof.
2: Another super intense scene from that show. That is
1: possibly one of the best
2: scenes I've ever seen shot. 90 seconds Dead signs, except for the decimeter or Geiger counter, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. And just this guy running around trying to pick up chunks with a shovel. And it is just brutal. like mm. So well shot. And I could imagine that the, the real circumstances were very, very similar to that. Like you they don't, you get to that roof and you got 90 seconds, get the yeah. fuck out of there. You stay around. That's it. That's, you're fucking done, man.
1: This is one of the few things actually that is, um, you can watch the footage of, and it's very, very similar to the, the show. Like, you can watch mm. footage of the guy describing to these soldiers what you have to do. Like, they're all standing there in gear, and he's saying to them, look, you have to go onto the roof and do this. This is where you're going. This is what you're doing. You have 90 seconds, and then they all run out there. So, you can actually watch on YouTube people gearing up to do this, like like it's shown oh. in the <laughs> TV show. So, it's, it's very creepy, mm. and the the TV show is very – um, similar to that, to what you can see on YouTube for that, it's just fucking crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I, I just don't know what, like, how fucking terrified I would be at that moment.
0: Like you're standing. Like, I, I think, I think it's probably similar to the guys who are in the water. I very much doubt it was fully explained to them just how dangerous yeah. it was.
1: It would have been well, like, I mean, oh, it'd be you, dangerous if, if you're you in all longer. that gear.
2: You get, a, they get you in all that gear up on that roof. You're wearing like rubber smocks. And they're telling you, you've oh. "Got ninety seconds. You got to know, like, even if it's not implicitly stated, yeah, you have to know that what you're walking out into is fucking dangerous." <laughs>
0: you, you, you mean meant explicitly <laughs> stated. Oh, explicitly, sorry. Yeah. Um. Either way, you know what I mean, though. Like, you have to. You you've picked up on that. Like, this is. Yeah, you know it's dangerous, but I don't think. Again, I don't think they knew how dangerous. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm because sure these they aren't the, like these people have grown up under communism. They're they're not. The most well-educated people in the world—they don't know—they don't know what radiation is.
1: No, but they—they would have been told, you know, always trust your superiors and stuff like that. And I'm sure they would have told them, "Look, yes, it is dangerous if you stay out there for two minutes, but 90 seconds is totally fine. Like it's—it's either it's like a binary. It's like it's either safe or not safe. And if you back before the two minutes, you're totally safe. They probably would have been telling them stuff like that. Yeah, Uh or they would have just said, you know, you're a you're a um, Soviet citizen, you have to do this. Fucking do it.
0: Yeah, this is, this is your duty. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so If you don't do it, we'll kill you and we'll kill your family. <laughs> yeah. So, in total, over 600,000 men were tasked with cleaning up the efforts of the, the effects of the meltdown. And these men came to be known as liquidators. They cleaned in and around the nuclear power plant, they shot animals, lifted up all the topsoil in the evacuation area, and attempted to clean up the contaminated areas. Very few of these people had adequate protection, and reports of how many died and how many became ill vary wildly. We'll never know exactly how many were affected, but Brad's going to tell us a bit about the possible death counts. Uh,
0: well, I just I just want to say uh, yeah. Jump in, Brad. Brad said this a few days ago when we were talking about um, recording this episode. That if you can commend the Soviet Union for anything, it is their <laughs> willingness and ability to just throw bodies at a problem until it goes away. Yeah, um, and it
2: is spot on. Like the the level of disinformation or lack of information provided to people to get them to do this. Yeah. You would not be able to have an effort like this in the Western world. It's as simple no, as it is. No, Self-preservation is way hardly too high. Probably
0: any other country, maybe only China. China is maybe the only other country where where something like that could happen.
2: Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, communism sucks, but I commend their level to throw away human life to clean That's up a true. problem. Well, there's, there's That's that right. really
1: dark joke that was like, uh, Stalin knew he was going to win World War II when he realized he had more men than Hitler had bullets.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not wrong, either. That's oh, 100% fucking, accurate. Uh,
1: you, I can't read stuff like that when you hear about no. how they just were running in without guns and stuff like that. It's fucking mm. disgusting. It is terrible. <laughs> I mean, told totally if they turn around, they'll be shot by the Oh, I mean, it's just... just yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck yeah. the Soviet <laughs> Fuck it yeah. to death. I'm
0: so glad it's, it's gone. Well, anyway. And yet, there is a resurgence of people supporting communism. Yeah. Yeah. Lachlan- mm-hmm. Why? They don't know. They don't know. I'm, I'm incredibly worried about it. Yeah. All right, Brad, uh, tell us about the death yeah. toll. Yeah, well, when it when it comes to the
2: death toll, the short answer is that we really don't know. Uh, the issue with calculating the death uh-huh, toll... You worked
0: for the Soviets as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to explain this in detail, so just shut the fuck up. Yeah, right. come on. Uh, when calculating the death toll with any large disaster, um, the victims who survived the initial wave of destruction can get mixed in and lost with the general population statistics. Um what is particularly tricky with radiation exposure, like Chernobyl or Fukushima Daiichi, is that the effects are so wide and varied it's next to impossible to definitively say whatever killed someone was or was not related to the disaster at Chernobyl. Um, that being said, we can break down the other victims into two categories uh, acute radiation exposure and chronic radiation exposure. Victims of acute radiation exposure receive high doses of radiation for only a very short period of time, whereas chronic radiation exposure is much, much lower doses but for a much greater period. Um, so we have the, the numbers for those who received acute radiation poisoning. Um, and those usually experienced death in a couple of weeks, sometimes months. Uh, those numbers are two plant workers who were killed in the initial explosion, um, uh-huh. 29 firefighters who were killed from radiation and poisoning while attempting to put out the initial fire, and finally a further 24 plant staff and firefighters in the following months. These 54 deaths are the widely accepted toll after the initial blast. All right, So there you go. 54. That's your number on the day and in the following months. Yep. yep. For those who received chronic radiation exposure, uh, such as army staff, liquidators, miners, nearby residents, the long-term death toll is much harder to determine and is highly debated. The The issue in determining this figure is threefold, boys. Threefold. Right. <laughs> Firstly, the sheer number of people exposed. There, there appears to have been approximately 800,000 people living in affected areas. So not necessarily evacuated, but people who could have faced some kind of uh, exposure. Um, couple that with approximately 600,000 liquidators and army, army personnel brought in for the cleanup. Tracking the health outcomes of all these people becomes a monumental task uh-huh. in and of itself. So that's that's first issue. The second issue you need to face uh, is determining if the people in the affected areas were exposed and to what levels. Uh, we're all exposed to radiation every day and it's perfectly normal. The issue is when we're exposed to ionizing radiation. This can damage atoms at a molecular level and even low doses can alter our DNA, causing genomic instability. Determining the amount of radiation everyone was exposed to is as varied as the people themselves. So some people handle radiation better, some handle it worse. Uh, Body size plays a part. And even just sheer luck. So sometimes if you are exposed, even if you get a higher level than someone, might not happen like you might have no ill effects but the person who got a lower dose will have worse effects it's just fucking random Uh, and finally the hardest part of determining the death toll is the sheer number of ways in which radiation can kill you as i said earlier it's next to impossible to determine someone's if someone's leukemia or coronary damage is a direct result of ionizing radiation or just biological predisposition one disease that can be tracked is thyroid cancer because it's extremely rare outside of those exposed to radiation Uh, unfortunately there have been 15 deaths from thyroid cancer linked to Chernobyl, all children as they are much more susceptible to thyroid issues, but there have been also 4,000 cases of thyroid cancer, but with a 99% survival rate. So that's actually not too bad. Um, So how do we get the numbers uh, of the expected death toll then? Well, some smart dudes who used Hiroshima and Nagasaki as a baseline developed the linear, no threshold model. For predicting cancer rates in an exposed population essentially it cuts out all the presumed people who have been exposed to very low levels of radiation and uses people in a higher bracket who are more likely to have negative outcomes and predicts an approximate number of people likely to die as a result um so so, we got on for a while so I'll hit you with the big enchilada. <laughs> Depending on the on whose number you use and what parameters for inclusion and exclusion into the linear no-threshold model are applied, the expected death toll is anywhere from 4,000 people to 200,000 oh, people geez. due Jesus to chronic Christ. radiation exposure. Um, so while I was looking through the numbers myself, uh, I expected the real number is unlikely to ever be discovered. And I also suspect that it will lay somewhere in the middle of those two numbers. So between 4,000 and 200,000. So it will still be a very significant number of people. Um, there also will definitely be a spike in cancers in the Ukraine, Belarus and Russian areas affected. And we won't see a true indication on how close the numbers are for probably the next 30 years. That's just how it's going to be. It's going to be a long term thing. Um, Basically, what it comes down to is that there are also a lot of interested parties within Agenda, and their numbers line up with their agenda. Yeah. Yeah. So, there are organizations who are looking for funding and resources for victims, and their numbers are often in the tens or even hundreds of thousands. Um, you have atomic energy interested parties who are often looking to save face and prevent atomic panic. So, their numbers are often in the thousands. And finally, you have Russia, who looks to remain steadfast <laughs> on the world stage. And their number has not changed since 1987, and it's 31.
0: Ugh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, so basically, yeah, that's the death toll right there. It's it's really, really, really fucking hard to get any kind of consensus on the numbers, um, because literally the, the way radiation kills you as well is just so varied.
0: It's just crazy, yeah, man. That's I was right. looking into it. Can, it, it can hit you in so many different ways.
2: Yeah. It's not just. It's not just cancer as well that's the thing is they used hiroshima and nagasaki as a baseline uh. that was a nuclear explosion not a um wave of just waves of pulsating radiation so it affects you in different ways like you can have like just organ failures from it and like uh, heart disease and, and stuff like that like they, they can all be brought about by radiation sickness and they can just go off at any time um Cesium-135, I think it is, likes to act as a potassium molecule in your body, so it can sit latent in your body for decades, and then yep. it just gets activated one day, and bam, cancer out the wazoo. So, yeah, it, it, it's just crazy. There's probably no way we'll know the real number, but, yeah, in the next 30 to 40 years, we'll probably have a better idea of how many people have been affected.
0: Yeah, I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but um, it ties in well to what Brad's talking about now. Um Around, so somewhere between 400 and 450 children per year born to people who were in the exclusion zone when Reactor 4 exploded um, have some form of cancer or genetic disorder today. So yeah. um, like that's that's obviously dispropor- disproportionately high compared mm. to uh, any other population. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's as you said, Brad, it's almost always thyroid issues. Yeah, yeah. Thyroid um, thyroid is very
2: susceptible to to yeah. radiation. And that's why you'll see in the show in anywhere there's a radiation thing, they'll tell you to take iodine pills because yeah. they flush out ionizing thyroid, radiation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they flush out the Yeah,
0: thyroid. But so. it's just it, it, it blew my mind when I saw that number because this is this is children who weren't conceived
2: at the time when yeah. the
0: explosion happened, or even yeah. in the aftermath. This is oh, okay you know this is New 5 kids. 10 15 year old children now yeah born to people who are exposed to that radiation it's it it's affected them at a genetic level
2: yeah and that that's what i was talking about the genomic instability it yeah it doesn't necessarily cause cancer but um you know those mutations and yeah, it, it and fucks like up your
0: yeah, DNA at a structural level. And yeah. it's likely that these kids will pass these issues on to their children. Mm. So you're going to have the grandchildren Ooh. of Chernobyl survivors still having these genetic disorders wow. and, and thyroid cancer. That's
2: that's where X Men come from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to, like, superheroes who can swim super fast because they've got, like, web <laughs> fingers and feet and shit. Maybe they get gills. I don't know. But maybe there'll be a silver lining to this Chernobyl death cloud. <laughs>
0: yeah, if you, were, if you were there, you would have run towards the reactor <laughs> when it happened. Yeah, comic books of uh,
2: They definitely fucking have. All right.
1: So, um, well, yeah. Lachlan, do you want to tell us what's, uh, what's going on today with Chernobyl, the lingering effects and the... Uh, You know, geographically, what's going on? Uh,
0: Yeah. So, um, as I just said, the the children born to people who were there are still suffering problems. Um, As far as the radiation levels go, um, so the exclusion zone still exists, the 30 kilometers around reactor four. Um, The radiation levels in the exclusion zone are are still dangerous for long-term exposure, Uh um, but... Obviously, they've dropped considerably since the disaster. Um, there's thousands of people who work in the exclusion zone. They're still cleaning up, um, decommissioning the power plant. Um, they live and work in the exclusion zone for three weeks at a time, and then they three weeks, they must leave the exclusion zone. So, they yeah. work three weeks, three weeks on, three weeks off, and they're three weeks off, they have to leave Um, that 30-kilometre radius, just to, I guess, let their body process the radiation. Mm. Um, So Russia today still operates 10 of the RBMK reactors, uh, which is what Reactor 4 was that blew up an RBMK Mm. reactor. Mm -hmm. Um, I say Russia, I I talk about Russia. Um, Chernobyl is in Ukraine, and that's where it happened. But at the time, under the USSR, they were essentially... This one country. Yeah. Yeah. Like it it was the same government running them all. And it's, you know, it's essentially the Russians that were responsible for it. Um, So, yeah, they still operate 10 of these RBMK reactors today. um, But the fault that caused the explosion, so the graphite tips on the cooling rods, has been fixed (laughs) on those reactors. Or so they say. Um, And I was quite shocked by this, but reactors one to three at Chernobyl. Kept operating after the disaster. Oh, um, <laughs> you are I, kidding I me! I had just, I had just assumed that they would shut all of it down straight away. Like after, yeah, a part that would of be the, the power f- plant. Fucking smart fucking thing to do. Explodes and you know causes nuclear radiation for fucking like nearly oh. all of Europe. I actually saw. Well, I'll find this. I didn't get the leak, but I'll find it again. We'll put it in the description. There's a really good like GIF showing the spread of the radiation over the few days after the oh, explosion. Right, right. Yeah. Like, because it, it goes up into the atmosphere and from there it just spreads like crazy. Like, it it covered all of Europe, um, you know, a good chunk of Russia, some of China. Like, it, it reached to Africa. That's how much the radiation spread. And obviously, by that stage, the levels weren't, like, you know, you're not going to find any people in Africa who suffered any ill effects from that radiation, but yeah. that's how far it went. Yeah, yeah um gotta love anyway, living reactor- in the southern hemisphere baby <laughs> yeah that's right none of that <laughs> shit going on down here nothing yeah. bad has ever happened in the southern Hemisphere, <laughs> especially not in south africa um so reactor 2 was shut down in 1991 after it caught fire oh, um, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> just a, just a, oh my god that's two yeah. out of four
2: you have a fucking <laughs> terrible hit right there
0: um Obviously, though, it did not explode like Reactor 4 did because it I guess have they'd put a more competent lesson. people in charge by that point, you know. They still let it catch uh- <laughs> fire. Fucking hell. Uh, Reactor 1 was shut down in 1996 as part of an international deal with Ukraine to end operation of Chernobyl nuclear power plant. God knows why it took that long mm. to uh, strike a deal. And uh, Reactor 3 was shut down just in the year 2000. Um, so only... Well, I'll say just in the year 2000. That's nearly 20 years ago now, but doesn't feel like that long ago. <laughs> so four,
2: 14 years after the explosion, they finally that's shut right. down the... Yeah, oh 14
0: my. years later, they shut the whole plant oh, down. Oh, fuck me. That um, is just asking for trouble. Yeah, so as I said, the exclusion zone still exists, and you know, it's called the exclusion zone. You're not allowed there, but... Um, It has become somewhat of a tourist hotspot, Um, Mm. and I- no pun intended with hotspot there. Um, (laughs) So, it's it's part of a trend called dark tourism, um, which is, you know, visiting places that are historically- Historically. Historically associated with death or tragedy. So, like, people go to Auschwitz, they go to Hiroshima, um, Ground Zero in New York, all that sort Killing of Killing Fields. People visit these. Yeah, people visit these really... Um, Dark macabre. Places, You Macabre. Know, macabre. That's the word I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, right. Wordsmith. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, there's a few companies that do tours into the exclusion zone in Chernobyl. Um, some charge, like... 600 euros a day. Um, the best I've found uh, is around $130 Australian a day. Uh, yeah, but there's uh, no so-
2: guarantees they get you back out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> With that kind of uh, price.
0: <laughs> so, tours range from one to seven days. Uh, on multi-day tours, you stay in a hotel in the exclusion zone, which boasts Soviet-style accommodations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Yeah, they say specifically that you know don't expect all the uh, all the mod cons. This is a hotel that has not been updated since everyone was evacuated.
2: Oh yes, Um, Uh, I'm sure they've washed the sheets and stuff. You'd hope so. um, Probably
0: not. Yeah, there's there's one TV. Wouldn't be true Soviet accommodation if they'd fucking (laughs) washed the sheets. Um, So they guide you around Chernobyl and Pripyat. Uh, You get to see the nuclear power plant from a special viewing area. It's about 200 metres away from Reactor 4. Uh, And you get to see Chernobyl 2, where Duga 1 is. More on that later. (laughs) Um, You also get to meet and talk to some of the Samosli, or self-settlers. So they are people who have either returned to or never left the exclusion zone. Um, So even though you're not allowed to live there, some people... Snuck back in back to their villages and <laughs> continued living there. Um Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, early estimates had as many as ten thousand people living in there. Um as of twenty sixteen there's fucking was, dead now. As of twenty sixteen there was less than hundred and eighty left yeah. living yeah. inside yeah. the state. Sounds about fucking zone. right. Yeah, and there is only... The inner 10 kilometers is called something else. I can't remember Death what zone. it's called. It's inside it, the exclusion zone. Isn't it called like the strict zone or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, the alienation zone, I think yeah. it's called. Alienation yeah. Because yeah. Um, you'll turn into a fucking alien. <laughs> It'll be all green and glowing. <laughs> yeah, there is actually there is actually two people, a very old couple, I think they're in their 90s now, who live inside that 10 kilometers. Oh. Is that um, the lady whose cow got shot in the show? <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Um And the the Ukrainian government actually has, they've said now, look, the really old people who are living there, we'll let them live there. But anyone, I think if, if you're younger than like 40, um, they will boot you out. You've got to get out of there, I guess, because you've still got a life to live. Right. Um, and these old people, it doesn't matter. The radiation's not going to kill them before something else does. Yeah. Um, so, Ooh. on these tours, you have to wear long sleeves and pants yeah. and fully enclosed shoes. Uh, none of your belongings are allowed to make direct contact with the ground, and <laughs> your shoes need to be decontaminated before you leave the exclusion zone. Um, you're not allowed to touch anything. Um, it's- <laughs> like <laughs> Sounds th- fun. They- They recommend specifically, they're like, you're allowed to bring a tripod for your camera, but you have to put, like, plastic bags around the three feet so it doesn't actually touch the ground. Oh (laughs) Oh, my god. Um, Tour operators recommend you buy a decimeter to take with you on the tour, or you can rent one for the low price of €10 per day. (laughs) Um, They say it's so you can get a real feel of, uh, you know, how the radiation has affected the area. I think it's probably a legal requirement or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, they claim that if you take one of these tours, you'll be exposed to less radiation than you are on a transatlantic flight. Hmm. Um, because being being that high up in the atmosphere, you're more exposed to radiation from space. Part um, of me thinks it they're wrong. <laughs> well... Yeah, this website is called Chernobyl Tour. Dot, oh sorry, it's com because it's Ukrainian and they spell it Chernobyl. Um it was in it's the whole website's written in very broken English, so they could yeah. probably claim that it's a, a lost in translation. They're saying you will receive more radiation than a train. <laughs> no money indeed. You've got to sign a waiver stating that you will not hold the tour operators responsible for any of your belongings becoming contaminated or any health issues caused by exposure to radiation.
2: Yeah, but you'll get less than a transatlantic flight. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's, that's right. Yeah, fuck off. You're uh, trying to
2: sell me something. Of course, I'm going I'm <laughs> to fall for that shit. You I don't get off a apply- plane with fucking cancer. God. <laughs>
0: fucking cunts. You have to apply for a permit to enter the exclusion zone. Uh, at least... 10 business days in advance. Uh, I did find one tour operator who advertises being able to get you in with only one day notice. Ooh. So, that's some so shady shit. I don't know whether they've got the authorities in their pocket or whether they just sneak you in.
2: Oh, they are um, greasing some Ukrainian pockets, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, right. they're only. Uh,
0: you can also take a private tour inside the power plant itself. Yeah. Um, the closest you get to reactor four is the control room where all the shit went down. Okay. Mm. Um, you're only allowed inside the power plant for a maximum of two hours and you must wear like proper protective radiation suits. Uh, I couldn't oh. find prices for that because it's only for professionals, atomic students and specialists. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've,
2: I I've seen a bunch of videos on YouTube from people doing that kind of stuff and they all seem to yeah. be of the
0: field. Yeah, I, yeah, you have to yeah. be, otherwise they mm. won't let you in. And I guess- It's not like Instagram thoughts who are like, I want to get some clout. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. funny you mentioned that because obviously since the HBO show got popular, a lot of people have been visiting yeah. Chernobyl. Um, and the show's creator has like put out a public plea asking people not to like take selfies and post them on their Instagrams just like, you know, have some fucking respect and remember all the people that died there yeah. <laughs> because people are just taking fucking, you know, Whoa. classic, classic selfies. Instagram selfies and being very disrespectful. Um, <sighs> so they get around 17,000 visitors per year. To the cool. exclusion zone. I'm, sh- I'm sure this year and probably next year that'll be much, much higher. Yeah, so uh, 17,000 is still higher than I expected. I would have thought It is. It maybe. It's still a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, uh. A- just a few days before recording this, signed a decree laying out plans to make Chernobyl more accessible to tourists. Is he the? Um. Is he the
1: guy? <laughs> is he the guy who was like this uh, hunk actor who played a president on TV and then became president?
0: Uh,
1: I don't know. Yeah, but he, I hope so. he was. Yeah. It sounds fucking awesome. He was playing this the president of the of uh, Ukraine. Hilariously enough, he was playing. Oh, no,
2: he wasn't. Yeah,
1: he was playing a role on television where he was a teacher and he gave some political rant in the classroom. And one of his students filmed it. It went viral, and everybody said, You need to run for president and voted him in to become the president. And then the actor ran for president in real life and became president. (laughs)
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right, actually. Oh, my yeah, God. I just, I-, I just Googled it really quickly. Ukrainian politician, screenwriter, actor, comedian, and director, serving as the sixth pre- president of Ukraine. Oh, yeah. my God. Anyway, no, no training. <laughs> but-,
2: but he's like, let's just throw open the gates to Chernobyl, boys.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh. He, he did mention that he wants to regulate it a lot better because he knows that there's a lot of uh, public corruption happening mm. in and around the exclusion zone. <laughs> Just, I
2: don't see how you're going to turn that into like a,
0: a viable tourist attraction when it kills you if you stay. Well, it.
1: I think I think the town of uh, Pripyat, which was evacuated, it's like a time capsule oh. of the Soviet Union. So there's 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 yeah, no that's, other that's place in the Soviet Union which is exactly the same as it was in nineteen in the nineteen eighties. Whereas this place Except for every other city <laughs> <laughs> in this in, in, Russia. in this place, everybody left on one day and thinking they were going to come back. So they left things yeah. the way they yeah. were and then oh. nobody ever came back so it is a perfect time. Yeah, judgment. literally
0: nothing has been touched.
2: It's yeah, it's perfectly It's incredibly preserved. fucking creepy any photo you see. Oh, it's
0: Yeah, it is very creepy. Yeah. Um but like you you know there's still papers on the floor, you can see the kindergartens where people or where the little kids were, you know, if they just got up and walked out their homework still on the table, that sort of thing. It's it's exactly like you said Mogs, it's a time capsule. Um I- and it is the only place in the world where you can see exactly what the Soviet Union looked like. Yeah. There's,
2: there's one thing I noticed as well as looking through a lot of photos of of Pripyat and do um, you know the the very famous pool that they have there? Yeah. You know, in that room, you'll notice that in the pool there's graffiti. And I just want to say, the stones on those kids
0: to sneak <laughs> into in a radiated zone and
2: graffiti a pool, like what the
0: fuck, man? That's punk. <laughs> yeah, that pool. That pool has a. Uh, one of the highest radiation readings um, in inside the zone today. So. Yeah. Uh, I just <laughs> yeah, can't believe that. That's fucking crazy. Right. Well, they're probably retards if they're graffitiing other people. Well, they're probably, probably fucking they're pretty dead pretty fucking retards
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> I deserved believe. it. Uh, okay, luckland do you want to tell us about the uh, conspiracy theories?
0: Oh, <laughs> do I? Here's with these. Yeah, right, let's do it. Right. So, obviously, this has been a very dark topic uh, so I want to make it even darker by telling you just what the government did to these people. Um, no, So first I need to explain about, uh, I said before, you can visit Duga 1 at Chernobyl 2. So I just need to explain what that is. So Duga 1 was a, or still is, I guess, a massive antenna array at a secret site called Chernobyl 2, which is inside the exclusion zone. It's not very far from the, um, the nuclear power plant. And it was built by the Soviets to track missile launches up to two and a half thousand kilometers away, um, as part of their early warning ballistic missile system. Because obviously the Cold War was going on, you know, tensions yeah. were a little bit high, a
2: little at bit the time.
0: high. Um, so that yeah, they built this massive, massive array of antennas, and it's really impressive. Um, I'd encourage people to look it up on the internet because it's just this giant fucking wall of antennas. Um, so Hmm. when Duga-1 was put into full operation in the mid seventies, it started generating radio interference, uh, which sounded like this. So, it does sound like a helicopter. That's what I thought as well. I thought it was Um, a helicopter. Yeah. But for those who don't know, a big antenna means big power. Um, due to Duga One's immense size, this interference was heard on radio receivers around the world. Amateur radio hobbyists, <laughs> amateur radio hobbyists, almost immediately triangulated the signal and tracked its source to somewhere inside Ukraine. Uh, quickly became known as the Russian woodpecker. Oh. Uh, and so, for-
2: so basically, Gorbachev was like, "I'll oh, fuck with these priests."
0: <laughs> Until
2: this giant array of antennas just to fuck with hobbyists.
0: Well, no, the, the interference wasn't intentional. That was, um, you <laughs> it know, was the just Soviets a happy didn't, accident. Soviet didn't have shit. the best engineers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing was meant to be a secret. So the fact that, you know, straight away, as soon as they brought it online, basically, people figured out where it was. They didn't yeah. know what it was. But they knew something really fucking big was generating radio interference inside Ukraine. Okay. Um, And yeah, they called it the Russian woodpecker. For a period in the late 70s and early 80s, you could actually buy radios with a special chip in them that generated uh, the opposite to the waves that the- Woodpecker generated, so it would it would cancel out, and you wouldn't get that interference. Oh, okay, that's pretty. Good. Uh, they, were called, they were called Woodpecker Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. so that yeah, that's what you need to know about Duga One and Chernobyl Two. Secret town to house a secret radio antenna array. Uh, that was a really big failure, yeah. because immediately Presumably- as soon as they turned it on. As soon as they turned it on, the whole world knew about it. Presumably <laughs> it was powered by Chernobyl. Uh, I don't know, but okay. I would imagine so.
2: Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um,
0: so the first conspiracy theory, or conspiracy truth, you might say, <laughs> uh, is that <laughs> the disaster at Chernobyl was engineered by the USSR to give them an excuse to shut down Duga One, the massive failure that they had poured 7 billion rubles into. Oh, yeah, they don't Um, like failing, do they? That's right. They don't like failing, and even more so, they don't like admitting their failings. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, instead of say, yep, we we built this and it doesn't work like how we wanted to, we'll just shut it down and call it a day. Uh, The theory is that they thought, hang on, what if we fucking made one of the reactors at the power plant explode. And then, ah, oh, people aren't allowed inside the exclusion zone. We can't operate it anymore. Uh, we'll just have to shut it down. Another Barbaros happy accident. <laughs> <That's> such bullshit. <laughs> oh, we're,
1: we're too embarrassed to admit that we failed with something. So we're just going to fucking create the worst nuclear <laughs> power plant accident in history. Because that's, that's less right. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, come on, well, if no one so finds out about it. The the next theory, and this is also to do with Duga 1. Hopefully more plausible. Is that Duga Probably um, is that duga One wasn't built to track my- to track missile launches, but to actually launch missiles that were being built underneath Chernobyl, uh, and that the explosion of reactor four was caused by CIA agents who had infiltrated the power plant, <laughs> and they sabotaged the uh, sabotaged uh, the reactor, causing it to it's explode. Americans. So whether whether the part about the missiles is true or not. I have no qualms believing that the CIA would intentionally cause the worst nuclear disaster in history. That um, not on American soil (laughs) would not come as a surprise to me at all if I found out that 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 were true. It probably wouldn't be the worst thing the CIA has ever done either. (laughs) Uh, Probably a whole episode in that atrocities committed by the CIA. (laughs) Um, And funnily enough, the Russians are actually making a TV series in response to HBO's (laughs) (laughs) Chernobyl. down the truth takes the position that the cia did it no so i don't think you could say that's their official position on it but they are producing a tv show that says that that's what happened that's fucking amazing Uh, There's also a theory that the KGB caused the reactor to explode in order to instill fear of nuclear power throughout the world and keep Europe dependent on Russia for energy. Um, Again, wouldn't be surprised if the KGB (laughs) purposely killed a bunch of their own citizens. Um, Interestingly. If that is true, it fucking worked, because as of 2017, Russia was responsible for around 60% of the EU's energy product. Yeah. Uh, so, it's oil, coal, and gas. So, the- so, Europe is very heavily dependent on Russia. Yeah, there's a-,
1: there's a great video where Donald Trump was, like, arguing with this German guy who was uh, he was saying, like, you know, you want us to pay for NATO to protect you from Russia, mm. and at the same time, you're buying all your energy off Russia. So you know, are, <laughs> yeah.
0: are they your enemy or not like what's going on? yeah, yeah. so if if that's true it worked so well done <laughs> to them plausible. Well, um, <laughs> yeah and <laughs> the the last theory and probably the most interesting I think is not that the disaster was intentional, but that the poor handling of the aftermath was so mm-hmm. this theory posits that the USSR wanted to study the effects of massive exposure to radiation because of the possibility of the U S nuking them with the whole cold war thing going on. Um, Hmm. So I think that's probably plausible. I think that's more than likely.
2: Like once, once it went, you know, once it went down, they're like, yeah, another Bob Ross happy accident. Because (laughs)
0: like, yeah, I mean, there might be some truth to it. It's like, it's no secret that the Soviets had no issue letting harm before their, their own people. Well, yeah. even worse, they, um, they have
1: no issue letting harm befall Ukrainian citizens. I mean, it's definitely not the worst thing they ever did to
0: the Ukrainians. It was Yeah, well, they, <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. So, you know, this theory isn't saying that they caused the explosion, but the explosion happened. And they're like, what if we just give it a few days? Let these people get really contaminated with ionizing radiation, and then we'll see what happens so that we know what's going to happen the U.S. nucus. Well, I mean, it also US yeah, helps
2: with treatments, and they can use people as guinea pigs, essentially, to see yeah. what treatments can, can work, can't work, what you can do for low doses That's of radiation. Right. That's right. I mean,
0: and I think every for-
2: government does that to an extent. They wait for something bad to happen, and then sort of use people as guinea pigs.
0: Yeah, they experiment on their own population. The yeah. US government has definitely done that. Take advantage um, of situations like that. As yeah, as part of MKUltra. Um, again, that's another another fucking rabbit hole. We can't go down there. <laughs> um, but the the other piece of evidence that points to this potentially being true and this is actual fact. There is a group of Russian scientists and Chernobyl survivors living on an island in Greece who are trying to unlock the secret to immortality. <laughs> 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 that is true. That is 100% true. There's documentaries about them. The KGB, the CIA, other um, governmental agencies have been there and investigated them. That is like, like, I'm not making... That's not part of the conspiracy theories. That is true that that these people, the Russian scientists and the Chernobyl survivors are there and that they are trying to figure out immortality. They will admit that to you themselves. Wow. Um, it's an island called Gavdos and <laughs> it is really fucking weird. Like they got symbols painted all over the island and they got this thing called the Temple of Apollo. Um, I can't wait for the day that,
2: we, you know, we're all laughing at them, but then all of a sudden that island lights up and yeah, they all become immortal
0: or something. It's really <laughs> fucking weird. Something, <laughs> there's something real fucking weird happening there and that's yeah. that's probably its whole own episode. I can't get too far into it because it's- Oh, I'm, I'm interested in that. It's just so fucking straight. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Gavdos. Mm. Look, Google Gavdos Chernobyl and you'll find you'll read all about it. Okay. Very interesting. Yep. Yep. Um, so that's what really happened at Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, yeah, let's
1: uh, let's finish this out with uh, a couple of segments here. We've got Morgan's movie review. Morgan. 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 Morgan's movie review. Uh, this week I watched Grown Ups Two, which stars Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, how, uh, I can't
0: uh, wait to hear yeah, how you bring I wanna, this full I want to hear you tie this in.
1: <laughs> Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Chris Rock, and David Spade. Unfortunately, Rob Schneider didn't make it back for the sequel. That's a bad omen. <laughs> the, the original Grown Ups rested on the premise, what if you get five funny actors and litter a lazy plot with lazy jokes? The result was that Grown Ups <laughs> was okay. No one's favourite movie for sure, but a fine way to spend 90 minutes, Whatever. Grown Ups 2, on the other Uh hand, has no plot. Nothing happens. Adam Sandler (laughs) drives the school bus because the bus driver is high. Then he picks up his friends, takes them shopping at Kmart for 10 minutes for no reason at all. Then they all go to his daughter's dance recital. Then they get into a confrontation with some frat boys. And then they decide to throw an 80s theme party at Adam Sandler's house. That's the movie. I was waiting for a plot to emerge, and I thought all the bad jokes were just obscuring what was really happening underneath, but no, nothing happened. There was no problem to be solved, no narrative. There wasn't even a reason for the party. It wasn't a birthday or an anniversary or celebrating anything. It was just, hey, let's have a party tonight. I guess it was kind of like a day-in-the-life movie, like clerks or waiting, but nothing meaningful happened. It was just one wacky thing after the next with no cohesion. In Clerks, the guy wasn't supposed to be working and ended up having a really shitty shift, forcing him to realise that he needs to take more responsibility for his situation in life. In Waiting, one character has an epiphany, realising that he has no purpose and no direction and vows to make a change. In Grown Ups 2, though, no characters learned any lesson or had any realisation. It was just a bunch of random shit happening with no follow up and no conclusion. It was like a bad sketch movie with some chara- with the same characters appearing in every sketch. There was some decent physical comedy involving Steve Buscemi and Shaquille O'Neal that provided some cheap laughs, laughs, but at the end you can't just you can't help but feel cheated. There the few genuinely funny jokes are spoiled by all the embarrassingly bad jokes. Two out of ten.
0: <laughs> oh. Very harsh.
1: Uh, I am a
2: big Adam Sandler fan. You know that. Man. Yes. It's one of our shared loves. Of
0: course. And I
2: could not watch Grown Ups 2. It was a steaming pile of garbage. I, I got like 15 minutes in and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Did you actually turn it off? I turned it off about half an hour indeed. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I, I just, I couldn't do it. I love Adam Sandler. You know I do. I just couldn't do it. it you're right. There is absolutely no fucking Nothing plot. happens. Nothing happens. It's just a bunch of garbled mess. I just, uh, it was a low point for Adam. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Also, what the fuck did that have to do with Chernobyl?
1: Uh, like Chernobyl, it was a fucking disaster. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I
2: could not I think, agree more.
0: I think uh, grown ups and grown ups too are just like, no, grown ups some, some executive said to Adam Sandler, you know, here's some money. Just. Make a movie. We oh, don't care. He, he's open uh, about
2: the fact that he makes, like, one movie a year to go on a holiday, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, he just, you know, he got his friends together, and they're like, all right, what, what if we were just all... You know, friends in real life and hanging out. Yeah, No. You know, <laughs> what if that? What if that was a movie? And that's, yeah, that's just <laughs> grown ups. One, it had a had plot. there was
2: even some genuinely, you know, sort of sad moments with the the coaches passing. Like uh, I felt
1: in that. Yeah, movie. there was there was at least something to grown ups one. That was like yeah. a five out of ten movie. Like something happened.
0: Yeah. I think no, I think if grown ups one is a five out of ten, grown ups two is like a, a four. No, no, you are fucking so way. fucking wrong. No, nah, oh, I think it's okay. Oh, oh, you. you. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. All right, Brad, so that's that's my power rankings of uh, the Grown Ups franchise. you <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right,
1: Brad, do you want to finish us out with Brad's power rankings?
0: I do.
2: Brad's power rankings. All right, special edition, boys. Special edition. Oh. Ah, uh, yes. This is uh, not an entirely new list. This mm. is a revisit. Oh, oh. Okay. So anyone who's uh, one of our regular listeners or you guys will know that in our G8 Love Pass episode, I did <laughs> top five worst ways to die. Mm. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. In researching for this episode, I realised that I have a new worst way to die. <laughs> who's not familiar with or just can't remember, my previous top five worst ways to die were number five, burnt alive, number four, crushed, number three, drowning, number two, trapped in a cave underground, and number one, Dyatlov passed, as it. (laughs) Now now we have a new big dog in town, acute (laughs) radiation poisoning. (laughs) Now, to to understand why this Trump's being trapped in the freezing cold blizzard, dying, cold and alone, one by one, I'll have to explain to you how ionizing radiation affects the human body. Nah, that's okay. Nah, I did this specifically (laughs) because I knew it would make your skin crawl. Thanks, guys, I'm out. (laughs) Quite
0: literally, it makes your skin crawl.
2: There are four stages of death by acute radiation uh, poisoning. The first stage is the prodromal stage, wherein you feel flu-like symptoms. This Mm. can occur within minutes or hours, but it will leave you with diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, and sometimes due to the nausea, rapid weight loss. During exposure, the molecules that comprise you are violently shattered and your DNA is irreparably damaged. Our DNA are the blueprints for our body, and without them, we are unable to create new cells to help replenish the old ones. What follows next is the latent stage. This is the fuck you stage by the way. <laughs> You'll actually begin to feel better. Your flu like oh, symptoms will clear up. Yep. And most people feel as though they are out of the woods. It's Unfortunately, the the storm. this is a good this time to commit to
1: An illusion.
2: <laughs> by this stage, your bone marrow has been destroyed and your body is unable to produce new and new red and white blood cells as well as platelets. Oh. Platelets other things that stop you from bleeding. Yeah, you need those. You need those for clotting. Oh. Um, but, I have platelets. But on the plus side, because you have a full set of functional cells before the exposure, you're running fine on those. For now. <laughs> <laughs> the next stage, looks like he's going to be sick. Mm. Yep. The next stage is the manifest illness stage. <laughs> Depending on your level of dosage, this can occur weeks after the latent stage. So you can feel great for a couple of weeks. Um, But this is where shit hits the fan. All those cells that were running full steam now start to break down as your body can't produce new cells to replace the old ones. The skin will usually break down first as it is one of the most rapidly replenishing cells on your body. and infection becomes a major risk. Pretty much every system in your body begins to break down. Veins, arteries, organs, nervous system, all of it starts to deteriorate burst open um each new thing that fails is another nail in your coffin finally the last step is death eventually enough things will fail and your body will just shut down
0: merciful death
2: the worst case of this i could find was that of hisashi oichi this poor guy was working at the taika tokai nuclear plant in japan while mixing fuel for a fast breeder reactor there was a criticality incident and Hisashi was exposed to 18 sieverts of radiation. Oh, That's Jesus the most a person has ever been exposed to. It's That's the shit shitload. He was standing over the burrito reactor, pouring a solution into it, and literally they said it was just an explosion of blue light and it was all directed at Hisashi. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Can I just mm-hmm.
0: interrupt you for a second there, just mm-hmm. to give people some context? Yes, yeah, so actually. Yeah, um, I
2: didn't get the numbers here, but yeah. Um,
0: so, what was it? 18 sieverts. Yeah, 18 all, all in one hit. In so the-, the average person in one year just in normal day-to-day life is exposed to around two and a half uh, millisieverts <laughs> which is one one thousandth of a sievert yes and this guy <laughs> mm. this guy got 18 sieverts yeah just- in- So that's that's correct me if I'm wrong 8, here Magd, but that is 6 thousand times the uh, normal, Yearly dose. Almost 8,000. All in one hit. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, basically, he didn't know it at the time, but he was a dead man walking. That's your fucking... That's your X-Men right there. Mm. That's Dr. Manhattan. That's how that happened. Well,
2: he was flown to Tokyo Hospital and, and rapidly deteriorated. Horrifically, he spent the next 83 days falling mm. apart. Oh, literally. Good God. The only solace in all of this is that on the 59th day, he suffered three huge heart attacks and became completely unresponsive to stimuli. Ugh. Rest in peace, Yasashi. You were too sweet for this world.
1: So Why yeah. did they let him live that oh long? Why God. didn't they kill him?
2: Uh, essentially, his family did not put a do not resuscitate because they Ugh, never those really-
0: Those They never really gave up hope, uh, so to speak. Um, mm. right, I want to, on record, this is a matter of public recreate. record. Me too.
2: Mm-hmm. If
0: I am in hospital and there are parts falling off me, Pull the fucking plug. Yeah, well. If I'm in
1: hospital he was all, just pull it. When he, when he, when he <laughs> suffered three
2: huge heart attacks, he was already intubated and unable to really speak or communicate. Uh, why would they because try
1: to keep alive him alive? Thanks for listening. Um, that is so thanks cruel. Thanks for listening. This has been a really...
2: Anyway, now officially the worst way to die, 0 to that 10 That is
0: so fucking cruel. to yeah, wrap this up. Remember a seven. long time ago. Shut yep. up, Ben. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening, if you are still listening after that. Uh, <laughs> we really appreciate it. Um, if you would like to help us out support us further, you can rate and review us on iTunes. We're currently sitting at an average of five stars. So if you could keep <laughs> that going, yeah, that would be fantastic. It. That's not just us either. We've had at least five five-star ratings. Well, I don't even fucking
2: own iTunes because I hate Apple, so it
0: can't be me. That's right. That's right. So someone who's listening has actually done it, and we thank you very much. If everyone else could uh, jump on board with that as well, that would be fantastic. You know, also share this episode with your friends. We'd love it if more people would listen. And uh, if you like, you can direct them to com, where they will find everywhere that they can subscribe to us, listen to us, follow us on social media. Got a whole list of our episodes there. Uh, I it's believe that is the only place that you can find Morgan's cease and desist letter sent to uh, <laughs> Brad for the blatant uh, copyright infringement yeah, on his uh, Morgan's movie review jingle. <laughs> uh, so, it was not head fake. on over there and check that out. And uh, again, just just thank you for listening. We do really appreciate it. Um, and you know, let us know what you think on our social media channels. Talk to us. We want to hear from you guys. Let us know what you want us to th- uh, what you want us to talk about. Let us know if you want us to go more in depth about something we've talked about in the past. You know, there's some episodes where we've talked about Flight a few Earth different Pad things 2. with an overarching theme. Um, you know, you can t- say tell us tell us you want us to uh, say something. Sort of <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll talk about space being real or not. We don't give a fuck. Yeah. We don't give a fuck. We'll talk about anything. Yeah, Whatever. we'll
2: fly up your ass if, if the price That's is
0: right. right. That's right. Well, why don't you guys fucking cut me off? I'm running out of stuff to talk about here. <laughs> um, I wanted to see how long you can keep
1: going. You sounded desperate. My <laughs> girlfriend said make sure I pronounce uh, Chernobyl correctly, so I had to look up the correct pronunciation of Chernobyl. And um, as far as I could tell... It's Cher-nob-il Like B belongs to the second syllable, not the third syllable, as a lot of people pronounce it. Schenobill, instead of Schenobill. Thanks, Mark. Right, well, fun facts. Well done.